Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. As long as there is injustice, whenever a Targathian baby cries out, wherever a distress signal sounds among the stars, we'll be there. This fine ship, this fine crew, never give up and never surrender. Welcome back to another episode of Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Galaxy Quest. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from my basement, as always, my name is Don. And to my right, our comic book guy, John. Glad to be here. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Good evening, fellow podcast hosts and guests. Oh my God, you guys are so... Oh my God, I can't even believe that just happened. Thank you. (laughs) You suck. And joining us tonight, a very special guest. This is Jill. Look, I have one job on this lousy ship. It's stupid, but I'm going to do it, okay? I love it. Hi. I love it. So uh, this movie comes to us as a fan pick from Jill. And... Why Galaxy Quest? Galaxy Quest is one of those movies you forget that you loved it. I loved it. And we were recently at Comic-Con and they had a panel of uh, people that were from the documentary there. And so my son and I went and saw it and they did a lot of uh, Q&As and things I forgot I loved about the movie. And so it was uh, on the top of my mind. So I suggested it. That's fantastic. Well, thanks for doing that. When was the last time you watched this, Don? When did it come out? Yeah, I, I think it was kind of like that for me, too. What about you, John? I just watched it the other night for the show. Shut the fuck up. What was the last time you watched the movie? Uh, I'd say it's been a couple of years, but I, I like to catch it when it's on TV or it, streaming. It, which is not shocking to me, because I'm pretty sure Justin Long's character is based on you. Brandon? Yeah. yeah. So, there you uh, go. Jill comes from us. Why, John? Well, Jill has a famous connection to this show. Mm -hmm. She is the wife of our one true listener, Ronnie. Yeah. Wow. Well, one of two, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, he could be the one true listener, but uh, Zach is our true believer. So, you know, they each get a distinction. And I'm again, I'm pretty sure from the beginning, dude. But But anyways. But I do love the fact that Ronnie submitted three movies. Then Jill, later on, a few weeks afterwards, submitted one movie, and we brought her on first. Well, Ronnie, if you're listening, and it, it, I heard recently that you turned us off during Moulin Rouge, and that, that, <laughs> that hurts my feelings. I don't give a fuck how much you hated the movie, because guess what, bud? I hated it, too. But I had to sit through the whole thing, and I'm pretty sure Zach sat through the whole thing. So, I'm starting to think that Jill maybe... The go-to. Take, yeah, but she might she might be taking your spot there, bud. Bada boom, bada bing. But here's the other thing, too, is is that we invited Ronnie to come mm-hmm. in and get, offer support for mm-hmm. her while we record the show. What is Ronnie doing tonight? He's having Ronnie, Ronnie time. Ronnie time. He well, Ronnie I, think, time. I think everybody needs some Ronnie time every yeah. once in a while. Wait, is that like with baby oil or something like that? Well, that's, <laughs> that's all on him. I have no idea. Literally. Literally. Yeah, nice save. Nice save. Nice save. 
Hey, Don, why don't you tell us a little about this movie? All right, Galaxy Quest. It was released on Christmas Day, 1999, directed by Dean Pariseau, screenplay by David Howard, Robert Gordon, story by David Howard, based on Star Trek. It stars Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, Tony Shalhoub, Sam Rockwell, Daryl Mitchell, Enrico Colantoni, Robin Sachs, and Justin Long. The alumni cast of a space opera television series have to play their role as the real thing when an alien race needs their help. However, they also have to defend both Earth and the alien race from a reptilian warlord. Now, do you know who almost directed this movie? Harold Ramis. And why did he leave the project? Because I don't think he liked it. No, he left the project because he did not want Tim Allen in the main role. He wanted to have, I think it was like Steve Martin... He had a couple other people. Alec Kevin, Baldwin. Kevin Klein. Yeah, I had heard Alec Baldwin. Yeah, a few other people. Yeah. And when uh, Tim Allen got in the role, he dropped off the project. But when he watched the movie later, he said he actually liked Tim Allen in the project. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess the original movie, too, was supposed to be a lot more slapstick. It was supposed to be more like Spaceballs. If Harold Ramis was doing it, I can see that mm-hmm. for sure. Do you like it? <laughs> I, I like the movie. You like I, it? I'm a fan of it. I'm a, I'm a Questarian. Oh, is that what they're called? Huh? Isn't that what they called them in the documentary? Oh, I don't remember. Didn't you? You didn't watch the mockumentary? No. Why it's would I watch the mockumentary? They it's said an that, actual documentary. They said not that. A well, it's labeled as a mockumentary. Mm. But anyway, they uh, label all the fans as Questarians. Uh, rumor has it there's two. There's one that is a mockumentary of the actual TV show, but then there's an actual documentary of the making of. Uh, Galaxy Quest. I watched the mockumentary. Yeah. Okay, so Galaxy Quest, let's talk about this cast a little bit, right? It stars Tim Allen from Home Improvement. He was just, I think, didn't they just finish Home Improvement? Yeah. 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 Did you guys watch Home Improvement? Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this right out the gate. Professor, do you like Tim Allen? Uh, Back in the day, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Jill? Iffy. Iffy? Why is that? I watched, you know, Home Improvement, but then, you know, he did Toy Story. So I was like, okay, well, maybe. I don't know. I, I, iffy. I, I guess it depends on the material. John, do you like Tim Allen? Uh, some of the things he did. I liked him in those Christmas movies. Santa Claus. The Santa Claus? Yeah. yeah. Which was yeah. the Christmas movies. Yeah. Uh, I go back and forth on Tim Allen. Uh, I thought that Home Improvement had its moments like early on and then when it, because I watched it, and uh, he was okay in the Santa Claus. He, I always feel like he's kind of playing the same character. Uh, kind of that arrogant, uh, egotistical kind of dude. And I guess he's kind of a dick in real life. So I guess if the part fits, right? And then you have someone like Alan Rickman, right? Cast in this. uh, A guy who hates sci-fi and he still did this movie. Yeah, and he did it well. He such a phenomenal actor he was R.I.P. well he he certainly uh appreciated where the character was that being that he is a shakespearean act, uh, actor that is doing his bit only now with something that he loathes and he wishes that he could be back doing his shakespearean work and that is alan rickman in you know in his heart i think that he appreciates the work that he does have but at the same time his love his, his passion lives lies with uh you know being king lear and performing live on the stage sure yeah yeah for sure and it it definitely does come across you know if there is a bright light in this film 
He um, he is it. Him and Sigourney Weaver, and, I think. But and, well, the great thing about it is revisiting Alan Rickman, who was just in that movie that we watched. What was the movie? Oh, oh, yeah, that Christmas movie. Yeah, the yeah. Christmas movie, Dogma. Oh, yeah, something like that. Smart ass. Was he in Dogma? Yes, he was. Okay, in and, fact, that is probably my second favorite Alan Rickman role is Dogma. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Right after Hans Gruber. Yeah. Love him. Yeah. Miss him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he was so good which, in this. Which is your favorite Alan Rickman role? <sighs> Harry Potter. I love a- Love Actually. I love Actually, coming out of left field. Nice, mm-hmm. right on. Never saw it. What's your favorite Alan Rickman now that we're on the subject? Besides the Christmas movie? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I assume that's a given, but you know, assuming anything with you guys is dangerous. Snape. Let the man answer. <laughs> you know, I, I really do appreciate the dramatic roles, but. Um, I, I think probably one of the first places that I go to him is Severus Snape. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was going to say Robin Hood. That's Don's. Probably. You know, for as much shit as that movie gets, and it gets a lot of shit, but, and, but, and yeah. most of it's deserved, but, but yeah, Alan Rickman, Rickman completely yeah. makes that movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Easily. Yep. Yeah. Well, if you watch the mockumentary, first of all, for Tim Allen's character, they, you know, it's supposed to be like, you know, what they really did before they did the Galaxy Quest series. And one of them was Tim Allen talks about, did he play a guy behind a fence on a sitcom where you only saw the upper half of his face? Yeah. And then they talk about Alan Rickman and they talk about his Shakespearean stuff and they show pictures from Robin Hood. Oh, his really? character. And that's what he did before this movie. Oh, that's funny. That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, and yours is Snape, I assume? No. Okay, what's yours? I said mine. What'd you say? Oh, dogma. Hans, Hans Gruber. No, said, we don't, we're not counting Die Hard because okay, then, that's iconic. Then dogma. Yeah, okay. Well, let me ask a question, well, No, I don't want to hear your question. We talked about Tim Allen. We talked about Alan Rickman. Sigourney Weaver. Weaver. Mm-hmm. Right? Sigourney Weaver, what'd you think? Uh, she was delightful in this. She is, she's is. she got really solid acting chops, and she really carries her role very well. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. They were really hesitant about putting her in this movie. Why? Because she was such a big star at the time. But she, first of all, loved it. She thought she was perfect for it because she's a sci-fi actress. And I think she worked out perfectly in this. Oh, Sigourney Weaver can do no wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, from uh, Ripley all the way to, you know, she was in the Cabin in the Woods as a cameo and anything she does. You anything. Know. Did, you, Weaver. did you Oh, hear- she was in Paul. Maybe yes, at the end? yes, she was in Paul, which her, we reviewed. Her boobs are fake in here. Oh, I fucking knew it. They, they looked, are, they, yeah, they looked too good. Yeah, they're you fake. Know? Did wow. you hear what she did to Tim Allen in this movie? Kicked him in the balls. No, apparently coming onto the set, Tim Allen was a huge fan of Aliens. Has a ton of Aliens memorabilia, so he asked her to sign it. She signed all of his memorabilia, stolen by Tim Allen. Love Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Apparently, he was not happy about that. Pissed him off. That's funny. Sigourney was, uh, uh, she has said before that each time she put the wig on, she felt like her IQ points were dropping whenever that wig would go on top of her head. That's funny. She actually wore that wig home many times because she goes, I just want to see if blondes really do have more fun. I read somewhere she wore it to a wedding, too. (laughs) I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver. Um, also, you have Tony Shalhoub of Monk fame. He was one of the best things of this movie. I, uh, you know, and watching it, and 
it, I hadn't seen it in a really long time, obviously, but watching it last night, watching his character, I kept thinking to myself, God, he's acting like he's stoned like the whole time. Apparently, the character was supposed to be a stoner, but mm-hmm. they had to cut it all out because they needed a PG-13 rating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had some really delightful lines. Yeah. You know, as soon as they get transported up to the ship, you know, they come up screaming and he comes up. Well, that was a hell of a thing. Yeah, like it was nothing. And then Tim Allen's going, come on, we got to go, go. And the other ones are going, what the fuck just happened? And we'll get to that. And he's just like, okay, yeah, I'm on board. It was hey, good. Since we're throwing out the favorite scenes with him, the one where the, he opens up the doors to the ship on the planet, and they're like, oh my God, you know, the air could be bad. And like, no, pretty good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, real. And I kept thinking, God, he, he must be baked or something. And then uh, they call it out later on. I think uh, Sam Rockwell's character says, are you stoned? So, Speaking of Sam Rockwell, what would you think of Sam in this? Oh, I thought he was hilarious. I love the fact that he was the... Uh, the guy, uh, the red shirt guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. The expendable guy. The expendable guy. Yeah. And he knew it the whole time. Yeah. So, and he kind of just attached himself. So, yeah, yeah. Sam Rockwell, good cast. I guess this movie was made for $45 million and it brought in 91 So, that's not a bad haul, right? It actually should have done better, but uh, the, the studio decided not to push it uh, around that time. They didn't do much press for it. So, a lot of the actors and actresses were upset that they thought it would have done a lot better had it gotten more press. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, they the the studio was not really fa- I think it was Dreamworks was not it was very yeah. was not very favorable of this movie. They originally uh, when they saw it at a screening, they didn't like it. What studio did Harold Ramis want to produce this movie? Paramount. Disney. Oh, interesting. So this could have been a Disney movie. Yeah, well, this could have been a lot of things, and it turned out to be what it is. The funniest thing I think about this movie was, and especially if you watch closely how much they dubbed this movie. Originally, this movie had a lot of profanity in it. And they wanted, basically, when it came time for ratings, it got an R rating because of all the profanity. So if you watch the movie now, you can see where they dubbed out every single profanity in it. You know, like Sigourney Reaver at one point says, fuck this, and they change it to screw this or something like that, so you can see her mouth moves mm-hmm. differently. And I don't, they didn't care. When I was watching the documentary, they're like, yeah, it doesn't match up, but it kind of goes with what we're doing here anyway, spoofing. Yeah. So they left it. So clearly this film is uh, a parody, I guess, a satire or something. Uh, I call it a spoof. A spoof of Star Trek. I don't know if it... It's. I understand and appreciate what you're saying. It being a spoof of Star Trek, but it is more than that. It is. It is more about um, pointing out the uh, the similarities that happen with Trekkers or Trekkies, if you will, because it also covers the conventions and what these actors have. No more of, except only this distant past role and that is their only thing that they have to their name anymore yeah yeah well a lot of it was uh, inspired by star trek in that you know the part where um the taggart basically overhears in the bathroom that nobody likes him mm-hmm. really happened to william shatner in a bathroom at a convention um the fact that you know people had hard times finding roles or got typecast that happened to all the star trek people if you look at the ship did you notice the ship is even a parody of the Enterprise? Well, I knew it looked 
it was in the same vein of the Enterprise. Well, the Enterprise has, you know, it's rounded at the front. This was rounded in the back. And then in the back of the, the, the warp cores on the Enterprise are long and thin. Right. So they put that at the front of the ship. So it was basically Enterprise in reverse almost. And then, Jill, you were telling me what does uh, the serial number on the ship is NTE3120. Jill, what does NTE stand for? Not the Enterprise. So if it ever did go to court because it was so much of the same, they could say literally it says not the Enterprise. And that's the reason why it has NTE. Nice. And the last thing I was going to throw in there was the LA, at an LA uh, Star Trek convention, the fans loved this movie so much, they voted it as the seventh best Star Trek movie. The cast of an old 1980 space adventure television series, Galaxy Quest, spend most of their days attending fan conventions and making promotional appearances. Though the series conceded former star, Jason Nesmith thrives on the attention. The other cast members, Gwen, Alexander, Fred, and Tommy, resent him, and, to varying degrees, the state of their careers. At the convention, Jason is approached by a group calling themselves Thermians, led by Mathazar, who requests his help. Jason thinks they want him for a promotional appearance and agrees. The next morning, when the Thermians pick him up, Jason is hungover and does not grasp that the Thermians are aliens and that he has been transported to a working recreation of the bridge of the NSEA Protector, the starship from Galaxy Quest. Believing he's on set and must perform in character, he confronts the Thermians' enemy, the evil warlord Ceres, who demands the Omega-13, a secret superweapon mentioned in the final scene of the series which has never been used and whose capabilities are unknown. Giving prefunctory orders, Jason manages to temporarily defeat Ceres. So the movie opens up in 4-3, and clearly we are uh, in the TV series, and as the you know the scene goes on, we pull out and we are in Comic-Con. And, um, God, that looked just like a Comic-Con, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's one of those conventions. I love all the people in costumes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is 1999 when I'm assuming it came out, and that's when they're filming, 1999. And the way Comic-Cons have come so far since then, it's not just about um, Star Trek anymore. It's right. about every genre. And, 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 and now it's mainstream instead of, like, this weird thing that nobody knows about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we see, uh, and we've all been to a Comic-Con and uh, them sitting there doing the autographs and we're introduced to our characters. And I mean, it's like, I mean, they got it pretty right there, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And clearly uh, Tim Allen's character, uh, Jason, is, you know, again, modeled after William Shatner. I mean, even down to the haircut. Even the sideburns. Yeah, I mean, and just his, he has a uh, Captain Kirk swagger. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then we meet Alan Rickman, who, uh, if you notice, the character is always in makeup. Uh, he he, he has that head thing on during the, whole the entire time. film. Yeah. I wonder if it's because it's too much of a pain in the ass to take off. And if that's what Alexander, the character, is thinking. You know what I mean? He's, right. he's, he's got to do the uh, convention for a couple of days, so why take the shit off? Or he's such a method actor. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So when they were on the phone together, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character and him, he was still wearing the, yeah. the head. Even when he's looking through his refrigerator later on. Yeah, that's scene. right. Yeah. yeah. And, and it doesn't, and it almost comes off later on, but mm-hmm. you know. Um, so yeah, we, we get to see right away that uh, no one likes Jason and he's, you know, is your typical... Self-centered, egotistical, um, self-obsessed 
you know, idolizer. Scene yeah. stealer. He apparently made all the scenes about him, stole people's lines. These were all claims that uh, Star Trek actors made about William Shatner, is that he would have the scripts rewritten so he got more lines, he got more scenes, um, always made it about himself. Yeah, makes sense. He, he did, but he really did love the fans. You know, Alan Rickman's character was just, you know, he didn't want to say the lines. He, you know, by Grabthar's hammer, he didn't want to do that. Uh, he didn't want to do the, the autographs, but, you know, Tim Allen's character is like loving every second of it and whatever I have to say, I'll do. And, and it didn't seem forced. Like he really loved being that character. Yeah. He yeah. loved the praise, I think, and the attention. Yeah. Well, he's an attention whore. Yeah. So that happens. I do like, though, when we get introduced to Justin Long. And he comes up and starts talking about the way the engines work and all that stuff, and just the reaction from. Oh my god! I was, I, I was watching it last night, and Justin Long's character comes up and starts talking about uh, schematics of a ship that does not exist. Yeah. And I kept thinking to myself, "That is fucking John." You know, <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my god, that was John as a kid." Yeah, I wouldn't deny it. I argue about those things all the time. I know. In which you're always fucking wrong. <laughs> well, what I love too is is I'll argue something about that. You know, this is the way it was working, in the, and you'll just look at me and go, "Cause it was in the script that way. <laughs> That's why it worked." And doesn't he make a comment like that? It was just written like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so he he um, he goes off and he goes he like you were saying earlier. He overhears these people uh, talking shit about him, and when he comes back, he's a total asshole. Right, because he, he's all pissed off. What do you think of the introduction of our alien race? How they just fit into the convention? Well, if you are an alien and you want to infiltrate Earth, go to a Comic Con. Mm-hmm. You will fit right in. I, I mean, I mean, other than the way they talked, which I found utterly fucking annoying. Um, that was Enrico's idea, I guess. He actually approached the director. And said, uh, "Can I? Can I speak like this?" What I tell you about doing and that? And he came you up with sound like him. And he came up with this whole thing, and they ended up using it. Yeah, well, that got really fucking old, really fucking fast. I thought that he had the inflection more in the very beginning when they first meet him, mm-hmm. and then throughout the movie, it kind of wasn't as as much. But actually, with the uh, the way he talks, he actually didn't get the role at first. Who? Uh, why not? Um, be, uh, they're just like, no, you know, we're not. You're not the Mathisar we're looking for, kind of. And then uh, he goes, "Well, I kind of feel like they would sound like this," and that is actually what got him the role. Oh wow! Yeah, there you go. Now, yeah. how did they sound, Jill? I'm not gonna do it. <sighs> Ken does it better. I can do it. I think. Yep, this is so much better, dude. Yeah. He sounds like an alien. Where you sound. Never mind. I will um, tip my hat to him. Okay, well. <laughs> Good, 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 good. Uh, did you guys notice Rain Wilson in the limo? Yeah, yeah. you know that's his that's his uh, uh, opening. That's his first uh, movie. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was watching it and I'm like, what the fuck? That's Rain Wilson. Well, the crazy thing that was his first movie role that he's ever had, and I guess he had a bunch of scenes where he had dialogue and everything. They cut them all out, so really he doesn't do much in this movie. No. And also, he actually um, was starring or doing another sci-fi movie thing that did went nowhere. So he would have had even more lines, but he was elsewhere. Yeah, this is also uh, Justin Long's first movie. Mm-hmm. So, in yeah. fact, Justin Long originally, when he got offered the role, he wanted to turn it down because he didn't think he was important enough to be in this movie. And he ended up getting, I guess, a big award for best new young actor. Oh wow! So oh. I thought he did a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 
Jason's all pissed. He leaves, so they're done for the day. He goes home, gets hammered, uh, makes the phone calls like we were talking about, talks to the cast, whatever. And then the next day, um, the aliens show up at his house, mm-hmm. and they start banging on his window, and they say, you know, we're here. Will you help us? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's the gig. You know, all about the next next paycheck, uh, probably for these guys that they're staging their career. And well, I love the fact that they go to every convention wearing their uniforms that you can tell this is the only thing they have. Like when they did the opening where they buy, what's his name's hammer? What was it? Crabthar's. By Crabthar's hammer. These are good deals. Yeah. yeah. What a savings. What a savings. Yeah. And and, and I got to say that uh, Alan Rickman delivers that just so beautifully because, you know, it... it it, it is a dagger into his heart each time he has to say it. He abhors saying it. Yep. And, and there he is, and he says, by Grabthar's hammer, and then and then his mouth opens, and then it closes, and then, what a savings. Yeah. <laughs> he just dies a little bit each time. Yeah. And then Jason comes running up, and uh, I love what he says to him. Why do you even bother, you know? You know, so he's kind of fed up with his shit. Um. So yeah, the aliens come and they get him in the limo. And well, first he's not wearing any pants. Well, yeah, but I didn't. I didn't think that was a very crucial part. Yeah. Um, I'm not wearing pants right now. What's the big deal? Well, that's typical. You, you know, yeah. So you, well, that's what I'm saying. See, this guy you, you probably never, walks around. You never in talk no pants about either. that. Yeah. What's the big deal? Yeah. Why are we bringing up pants all of a sudden? Well, we're bringing down the pants. Apparently, well, they were already off, buddy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna call you Johnny Pants. That's that's gonna be your new name, <laughs> Johnny No Pants. Johnny No Pants. That's even good to know. Put him back on. So he goes up to the ship, gets the lay of the land, and he's thinking, "Oh wow, this is really elaborate." Yeah, he's thinking he's on set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys did a lot. It's usually just cardboard <laughs> and plywood. Yeah, someone's garage. Yeah, and then he even sits in the the seat like William Shatner would sit in the the captain's chair, oh, this, I kind mean, of leaning you, to the side. You can't not watch Galaxy Quest and not think of everything Star Trek. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and that's what it's de- and that's what it's designed to do, and it did it. Did you watch any original Star Trek? Some here and there. I, I've seen all the movies. John, you yeah. watch any original Star Trek? Every Star Trek? single one, every episode of the original, and all the different spinoffs, the movies, even the new Picard series. I've watched all of them. Look at them, and I like the new Discovery series. Nerd. Yeah, look at them. Why would you even have to ask the question? Do you it not just watch says the Star Trek, Jill, Jill? What about you? Yeah. I've, well, I, I don't know if I've watched every single one of the original, but I know I've seen a lot of them. I used to always go, even as a teenager, I would go to the Star Trek movies by my with my friends or whatever, when there was other things I could have went and mm-hmm. did, but yeah. I would watch the occasional episode uh, when it was streaming recently. Where where was that streaming on? Was that Netflix? I think or, it was Netflix. Uh, anyway, I would watch the occasional episode, and they kind of sort of zhuzhed them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so the, uh, the the planets looked a little bit more vibrant as the, the ship was circling, and you're like, oh. And and the ship would look a, 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 just a, li- a tinge a bit sexier, you know, with the warp cells. You, know. you couldn't see the little string? And it's like, oh. Yeah, yeah. No, the string you can only see in Flash Gordon. Um, Did you know that two characters from this movie went on to be in Star Trek? Star Trek. Star Trek. The newer episodes. The card? Well, since I've never seen the newer episodes, I'm going to say no. Which one? What series? Uh, Well. um, Oh, for Christ's sake. 
I know. He always does that. He doesn't ever... What's his name played Dwight in Office? (laughs) Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson went on to be Harry Mudd in the uh, Discovery series. Oh, no kidding. And what's the other one? Uh, Was the female alien. I don't remember her name. She was in a couple episodes. Missy Pyle. Yes. Missy Pyle. Missy Pyle. All right. So there are uh, two kinds of people in this world. You cannot be both. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. I'm going to go around the table. First thing uh, you answer with, that's, that's your answer. Star Trek or Star I Wars? I can't pick. You, I cannot. Fuck you, no, you can. You know why you can't? Because not. you cannot make a fucking decision. Star Wars or Star Trek? Go. Wars. Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. I'm going to say Star Wars, but before you answer, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars? What? That's totally different. Well, Isn't that from uh, is it? Clerks 2? Yeah, well, I was going to say Star Wars. There's only one return? Yeah, and it ain't of the fucking king. Um... Yeah, okay. Well, I was just making sure who I was dealing with. Yeah, we're all. Though, because I don't think, John, you are completely Star Wars. I think you are more Star Trek. No. But, um. Oh, and I'd like to say, fuck you for making me choose. Oh, who <laughs> fucking who? All right, so back to Galaxy Quest before I derailed us and Professor's all mad at me because I made him choose. Mm. It's like Sophie's Choice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, where do we leave off oh so uh, Jason goes up to space sees that it's all real and he's really kind of uh, he's just real arrogant and a dick and he fires on Cyrus and the alien on the aliens without any thought he just fires on him and then gets up and leaves yeah Yeah. which I mean can you blame the guy he thinks he's on a gig which I think is kind of funny in itself but they're paying him he could at least give him a little bit more no he's like fire the torpedoes you know do this that we're done okay I'm out yeah and then they uh, transport him back to Earth. What did you guys think of this scene? That was funny, his yeah. reaction to that. And so then he goes, finds the crew, and he says, guys, we got to do something. After the grateful Thermians transport him back to Earth, Jason realizes the experience was real. He attempts to convince the other cast members, but is rebuffed. When the Thermian Lorelei appears and requests Jason's help again, the cast, thinking it is a job, join him, including their handler, Guy who played an ill-fated red shirt in one episode of the series. Aboard the Protector, the cast learns that the guileless Thermians believe episodes of Galaxy Quest are true historical documentaries. Inspired by the crew's adventure, they have based their society on the virtues espoused by the show and manufactured a functioning replica of the Protector. Ceres returns and attacks the Protector again, and the ship barely escapes through a magnetic minefield. However, the ship's power source, a beryllium sphere, is severely damaged. The humans must travel to the surface of the nearby planet for a new sphere, which they snatch from ferocious childlike aliens. When the humans return to the Protector, they discover that Ceres has seized the ship and demands the Omega-13 device. Jason confesses that he is not the commander and shows Ceres the Galaxy Quest historical documents. Cyrus understands that they are actors and forces Jason to explain to a disillusioned Mathazar. So yeah, now they uh, send Jason back to Earth and uh, they put him in that little goo transport warp thing. Uh, what did you guys think of that? I thought it was fun. I, thought, I especially like when the crew first gets to the ship, the protector, and they're in their squid forms and with all the little probes oh, and, right, yeah. and everything going off. And I just love that reaction. That And then... Uh, Jill, you were telling me about a scene there with Guy. What did Guy do? So, because uh, we don't know this stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know why he was like. So, um, Sam Rockwell's character, 
guy. Uh, he says to the director, hey, I, I kind of want to do something. Uh, just keep your the camera on Sigourney and just, just follow my lead. So what he ended up doing is once they get good apart aboard the protector um he lets out the biggest scream and if you look at sigourney weaver she is shocked is because she never knew he was going to do that everybody else knew he told everybody else but sigourney weaver i like how, how she put that they got gooed they got gooed up they well, got gooed up. yeah it can't be beamed did you not watch the same movie no, we I watched just, i just like that terminal i, I just made works. it up i bet you do i just made it up yeah. Uh, you should copyright that. Thank you. Good job. Thanks. Good job. Yeah. I loved their fucking uh, reactions. How when the goo gooed him up yeah. and sent him to the ship and then they were all standing there and they were just all shaking and couldn't believe what just the fuck happened. Right. I thought that was probably uh, one of my favorite scenes. In a lot of ways, I feel like uh, Guy, Sam Rockwell's character, just stole the movie. He was so funny with his realism and his kind of... You know, breaking the third wall of, I'm the guy that dies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he I, was good. I agree. I agree. He was really good. So having uh, having them just barely having their senses recovering from what has just happened, then the Thermians come in in their original forms with their little instruments and they're clicking it and, and bringing them up to their faces. And, and did you happen to catch Sigourney Weaver during this scene? It, it was right when they were backing away with the instruments and, and we see a, a side shot of our three characters. Uh, Sigourney is the furthest from the camera and then I think that it is, uh, must be Guy. And then um, I think, and then I think Fred. Anyway, but Sigourney Weaver, both of her hands are on her breasts. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Neither did I. Yeah, so you know, because here comes these aliens <laughs> with their instruments. Oh, right? how funny! Yeah, and so as they back away, she, both of her hands are on her breasts. Her yeah. fake breasts. Her fake breasts. <laughs> you know, I still can't believe that. Fake or real? Does it really matter? I, I, well, I think you're. I think you're opening up a topic there that you know. No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't matter. You know, you do you, boo. That's. And John, if you want fake breasts, buddy, I support you, a hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. So what the hell? How in the world can Jason know all about the ship? He's been there once. He's like, come on, I'll show you guys around, right? And he, uh-huh. why does he know everything already? And he's okay with everything. Whatever. Who knows how long it takes for them to beam up or get goo up. up. Goo up. Goo up. That's right. Yeah. Goo up. Goo up. They got gooed. Yeah. Gooda. The cast starts to realize and they are now in outer space and they are in a exact replica of, uh, or, or they're in outer space and they think, are we on the ship? And they're like, no, we're at a spaceport. Let's go to the ship. And it reminds me of every fucking Star Trek movie I've ever fucking seen. And, you know, as they're getting ready and they're they're pulling out and uh, the ship starts to go to the left. That's got to be my favorite scene in the movie. You think yeah. so? My favorite scene in the movie has got to be that. I'm, I'm thinking, well, how, come he can't, how come he can't course correct? I mean, if you're doing this and when you're going to the left, how come you just don't move to the like right? It wasn't like normal, like, the way he had to do it. That but- motherfucker had been flying that ship since he was oh. 10 years old. Okay, well- but... But all of these characters are characters that are actors and they're saying, holy shit, this is for real. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. thinking this is for real. I'm an actor. Yeah. I love, you were saying, Ken, this is one of your favorite scenes. I love when it finally does pull out the big scratch on the side of the new ship. I thought it would be bigger. 
I thought there'd have been more damage or bigger. bigger I just want to see the paint smeared and everything. But, but you know, Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver, they really sell it, you know, as they're leaning and they're wincing with their faces. They really sell it. Wouldn't you have loved to see that in a Star Trek movie at least once? Yeah. Well, you always picture it. Right, when they go look at the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. So Dean Pariso, they didn't have, of course, a sound effect. So he was literally going, and he was making that noise, and they had to react to him making the noise. That's funny. I thought that was pretty. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, Their roles on the ship, like all their jobs, I have to say Gwen's is my favorite job. Because she just repeats what the computer says. She translates what the computer says, which is basically just repeating it. Right. And and she even calls it out right later on. So, yeah, yeah. But this I guess at the time, that's, uh, yeah, but I guess at the time, that's, I mean, that's how it was. I guess her character was kind of based on uh, one of the actresses from Deep Space Nine. Oh, yeah, that's right. Jerry Ryan? Could be seven, seven oh, of nine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, it, it's, uh, no, it's Voyager. Mm-hmm. Voyager, yeah. But well, I guess. She's seven, appeared on a couple different ones. Seven of nine. Yeah. Nerds. She's in the new Picard series. <laughs> nerds um see that's why you like star wars more, or star trek more than star wars um yeah so i guess her story uh was uh, uh woven into uh, how they wrote sigourney weaver's the interesting character. thing is in in this mo- in the movie someone asked him what was your relationship with taggart and all that and she said there was no relationship or whatever in the mockumentary she admits that they were engaged at one time oh how funny so that's where there's kind of that tension between them well, and maybe I'll get into this more when uh, I give you my uh, fuck score. But uh, I didn't buy the chemistry between Sigourney Weaver and Tim Allen. Yeah. I did I, not either. Yeah. Not at all. I didn't. And, and so, so when that kiss happens at the end, it's, oh, brother. Yeah. And it was very, and it was very. Uh, Contrived. She, well, yeah. And it's the way she kisses Bill Murray at the end of Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters too. Yeah. So maybe Sigourney just don't like those guys. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So they take the ship and they fly off and they run into Ceres. And then we learn about Omega-13, whatever the hell that is. Right. And we still don't know what the hell that is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is going to become a very convenient plot device uh, toward the end here. Chekhov's gun. That's right. Um, well, the thing I love about it is, is anytime I ever like bring things up, often you tell me it happened because it was in the script. Well, none of them know what Omega-13 does because it was never in the script. They didn't get to that, film that part. So uh, they're getting chased by Ceres' ship and they go through a... Minefield. Which is very reminiscent to... An asteroid field. Yeah. And... Um, Star Wars, not Star Trek. Thank you, sir. You're still going to be mad at me for making you choose, aren't you? Well, do you want me to bring up all the episodes of Star Trek that had minefields? I don't know, Star Trek, John. Why don't you go ahead and give it... It's those episodes. I'm just kidding. Yeah, you f- calling you on your bullshit. That's what it is. That's what it is. Um, so yeah, they go through the minefield and they take heavy damage, and now they're just kind of floating in space. And then they find Tatooine. I mean, uh, a desert planet. Well, they need a beryllium sphere. A beryllium sphere, because that's the way it was written. And uh, it turns out uh, they have to take the. Uh, Landing shuttle. The shuttlecraft. The shuttlecraft. And again, these were some highlights for Guy's character in that, you know, as we mentioned, when the pod bay doors open up in the uh, the shuttlecraft, you know, the first thing Sam freaks out, you don't even know if the air's breathable. I don't know. 
Isn't this the part where Hales also says, what's my last name? Isn't that when they're in the shuttle going there? Like, we're going yeah, to my last name. Yeah, because typically in every Star Trek episode or movie we've seen, when the shuttle's going down to the planet that they're investigating, the guy with the white uh, red shirt, he's not coming back. No. Nope. Right? So yeah. he's so, so guy knows, he goes, I'm not going to die on the ship. I'm going to die on the planet. This is predestined. <laughs> well, he defines it perfectly. He says, you know, I'm the guy in all the episodes that dies to show that it's a serious situation. Yeah. <laughs> I, what's my last name? Does and he asked? Do any of you know? They're like. Oh. When I'm thinking to myself, well, how come you don't know your own last name, bud? Well, he does, he's still an actor. Well, his character was his, never given a last yeah. name. Well, I know that, yeah. but I mean, come on. So they land and uh, they see the Teletubbies from hell, <laughs> and uh, again, great Sam line. Basically, you know, Sigourney Weaver wants to go out and cuddle them or yeah. whatever and he's like haven't you ever watched any of her sci-fi movies yeah. <laughs> haven't you ever seen any of our shows i think that's what he says leave it to a white woman to go there and try to save these little yeah yeah, yeah. and he's like he's yeah. like they're they're cute now but they're gonna get all ugly with teeth and everything and which they do they and then do. they uh jason they they find the beryllium sphere they get it onto the shuttle and jason gets left behind and this is kind of where the wheels fell off for me uh, this rock monster? Do you know why they had the rock monster? No, please enlighten me. The rock monster was put in for a specific reason. William Shatner, when he was making the fifth Star Trek movie, begged Paramount to let him put rock monsters in it. And they thought he was already spending so much money, they turned him down and didn't let him do rock monsters. So they put a rock monster in this movie just to spite him. And he actually even made a comment when they asked him what he thought of the movie. He said, sure like the rock monsters. Yeah. A rock monster. Don't forget the shirt. Oh, yeah. Did you know the story with the shirt? Which shirt? Oh. Tim Allen's shirt. Right. Okay. I I was just thinking, uh, wow, Tim Allen must have been in shape in this uh, part of his career. So they decided to give him shirtless. Uh, Actually, no, he was training. And funny enough, the trainer that he was training for on this film ended up becoming his wife. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. But the uh, the shirt thing is a nod to every time Kirk seemed like he ever went planet side and got into a fight, almost every Star Trek episode, he lost his shirt. Yeah. yeah. So they had to make him lose his shirt. Wait, you well, mean I'm like sure from gambling, something. like a poker game? <laughs> like yes. He, like he misplaced? A, a windy day. Yeah, just blew it right yeah, off. Yeah, blew of it right off. Huh. Funny enough, uh, throughout the rest of the film, Tim Allen was supposed to be shirtless because where does the shirt come from? So mysteriously, when he goes, when he's gooed back up, or when, oh no, they, no, when they let, no, he is gooed back when up. When he's transported yeah, back transported up. Yeah, transported back. Oh yeah, they, it wasn't gooed this time. Anyways, uh, out of nowhere, here comes a black t-shirt. Oh, how funny. How funny. <laughs> I didn't like, even notice, gonna, I didn't even pay attention. Yeah, he just grabs all of a sudden from the side, like they just have a yeah, shirt waiting they just had a black shirt and he yeah. just puts it on. All I kept thinking was, God, that fucking rock monster looks stupid. But, yeah, sorry. That's okay. I was thinking, yeah. how does he eat? The rock monster? Rock yeah, monsters don't eat. He doesn't have any thumbs, you know. Where, yeah, where, he doesn't where, have a stomach. Where, it's where's rock, his, bud. Where's his mouth? He doesn't need to eat. He's just rock. If he, he doesn't get hungry. He, say, he like, doesn't get tired. If he defecates or... He doesn't shit. It's no. He doesn't pee. He's just a fucking rock. Yeah. But if you were going to fight him, how would you fight him? Would you hit him in his vulnerable spots? He, he no okay, again, spots. I don't know how many times I have to tell you guys this. He's a fucking rock. And as Sam, you know, can you, can you find any kind of weapons and make a lathe out of it? Oh, I love that. Yeah. So, yeah, they get, uh, 
he gets they get uh, he gets transported back up to the ship, uh, only to find that Ceres has taken control of the ship, and uh, he wants power of the Omega Thirteen. And this is where uh, you know Tim Allen has to say, "I don't know what the fuck Omega Thirteen is." Speaking of this Ceres character, do you not feel like he was something out of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? No, I kept thinking, God, he looks like a grasshopper. With the yeah. big yeah. claw thing on top of his head. Yeah, and I just was. kept thinking grasshopper, and which then took me to a bug's life, and then I just went down a fucking rabbit hole that I don't want to talk about. What, so what I found peculiar about him was so they they spoke very fluent English. Yeah, very fluent English. So here's my answer to that. Whenever we see a space movie where aliens get to talk to us. I just automatically assume in my head that they're using a uh, uh, communication translator. Universal translator. Yeah. And so when they call that out in Paul, I started laughing so hard because I had thought that for years. So I just go with it. So Uh, Well, well, if you happen to watch Star Trek, the next generation, it is specifically and directly addressed. Well, there you go. I don't watch Star Trek The Next Generation. I didn't watch Star Trek The First Generation, so why would I want to watch The Second Generation? I assumed when they got gooed up the first time and those octopus things came out and were doing little things, that they put the universal translators in them. But they never touched them. Those devices never touched any of the things. they did something to them because all of a sudden, then they started speaking English. Wait, where would they put the translator? Yeah. Well, usually it's in your And they, ear, they started speaking English when they put on their disguises. Oh, come on. Yeah, but that's but after they did all they're that. They're aliens. Where would they put something if they were an alien? When they first what came What do you in- think? We're harvesting farts? <laughs> <laughs> when they first came into that transporter room, the goo room, uh, they were speaking that... Blah, 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 yeah. And then all of a sudden, they did those little things with their tentacles, and it was perfect English after that. So I assume that's where they installed the translators. Up the butt. Well, they, Jill's like, they no, broke. dude. No, no. No, <laughs> no they, they have, they're wearing the translators, not the crew that gets good. Because as soon as they go into their human yeah. form, the translator automatically is part, is part of, of the suit. Yeah. Why do I have to explain yeah. this to you? Okay, but wait a minute. What happens when we have Alexander in the hallway and he's about ready to try to break free the uh, the the uh, everybody who's suffocating? There's one of them on, up on the ceiling. Uh-huh. He uses English when he's up on the ceiling in alien form. No, he ah. doesn't. Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. Jill, I need you to back me up here. You're the <gasps> Galaxy Quest episode. I thought he went, blah, 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 and then uh, Alan Rickman goes, no, is that you, dude? Oh, I thought he, he, he doesn't does. say Ken, anything until I think he, he drops to the floor. I go with him. Oh, great. Okay, well, I'm um, okay. It's, well, it's not a big deal. Guess what? I have, it's not a big deal. I have an answer for that one, too. You want to hear what it is? Yes. The way it was, it was fucking written. written. It was <laughs> written that way. Here's my recommendation. After this is over, want to watch the movie again? No. Yeah. Um, okay, so they get back on board that the uh, Omega-13, they don't know what it is. And I think this is the part where uh, Jason has to... He has to confront Mathisar, and he's forced to tell... The, Mathisar, that he is not real. Yeah. He's an actor. That the historical documents are just TV footage. Well, they, he doesn't understand. So the only word that they really understand, the Thermians, they're almost childlike, is a lie. And that's that's the word he finally understands. And it, yeah. it's really sad when um, Sarah says, you got to talk to them like, you know, they're three-year-olds. Yeah. You know, and, that, and that's, I don't know. I thought that that was really, that scene... You know, you're all joking and all this, but that scene actually had heart to it. 
I think it did. Well, and that's fine. That's I mean, it was it, it was a good scene. It was a good scene, and Steven Spielberg was actually on set when that scene was happening, and Tim Allen actually, you know, he was really emotional, and he didn't know Steven Spielberg was there, and and um, afterwards, uh, um, Tim Allen says, "Hey, I got to go back. To, I got to. I don't the feelings that I'm feeling. I feel kind of." you know, weird, I gotta go back to my trailer. And Alan Rickman actually said what he's feeling is actually uh, acting, is what he said. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny because Alan Rickman acts circles around everybody in this film and every scene. And, you know, Alan Rickman was the man. You bring up a good point with Spielberg. Spielberg inspired something else in this film uh, that added to the greatness of it. Do you recall what that was? Spielberg was on set and watching everything going. He says, there's one thing that's missing from this movie a love scene. So he talked the director into adding the love scene between Tony and the, uh, the alien. Oh, how funny. So which that, I thought, which I thought was kind of funny too, because he, he's kissing her <laughs> and then the tentacles come up and then he kind of looks at him and he's like, all right, I'm into this. Get a hotel room. Yeah, yeah. What, is, what does guy say? Get a hotel room. No. That, I thought he said, no. that, no. that's not right. That's oh, not that's right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, shaming him. What's the fuck's that about, right? Did you know that Aliens, uh, three weeks before it was actually supposed to be released, uh, Steven Spielberg says, I don't like the way they look. I don't want uh, octopus-looking ones. And they were going to have to redo it to look like Close Encounters. Oh, really? Yeah, but they're like, literally the guys, I, it was um, ILM who did it. They're like, no. And Stan Winston, they're like, no, we don't have time. So that's... Uh, the octopus stayed in. You get what you get and you yeah. don't have a fit. Exactly. Unless you're Steven Spielberg. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. And but yeah. I but I think they they made the right call because I think the octopi looking fuckers um octopuses. Fit. Octopuses? It's actually octopuses. It's not octopi? It is not. You're doing Greek and Latin, right, professor? I do not know. It's octopuses. Octopuses. Yeah. Uh, so it's funny that uh, I think the octopuses worked out uh, way better because if you went back to Close Encounters, then the first thing you would think of when you saw it was... Close Encounters. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Good, yeah. good for you, Stan Winston. Uh, R.I.P. When we saw the baby alien things with the teeth, that's the first thing I thought of was they kind of looked like the characters yeah, from kinda. Close Encounters. The ones on the Earth? On the, the desert planet. Oh, you thought... The little minor guys. Oh. No, hmm. not that kind of minor. Miners. Oh, but that was pretty funny. <laughs> miners versus miners. Okay. This movie has a handful of moments, I guess. You liked uh, it. Mm, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Cyrus activates the protector's self-destruct mechanism and returns to his ship, leaving the Thurmans and their cast members to die. The humans formulate a plan to abort the self-destruct and defeat Cyrus's remaining troops on the ship. Jason communicates with Brandon, a Galaxy Quest superfan on Earth, and his network of friends with intimate knowledge of the show. They talk Jason and Gwen through the ship's core and help them abort the self-destruct sequence. Meanwhile, Alexander leads the Thurmans against Ceres' forces and they take back control of the Protector. With renewed confidence, the crew challenges Ceres and draws his ship into the magnetic minefield. This time, the Protector drags the magnet's mines into Ceres' vessel, destroying it. The Protector approaches Earth to bring the humans home, but Ceres, who escaped his ship's destruction, ambushes them on the bridge and fatally wounds several crew members. Jason manages to activate the Omega-13, 
which creates a 13-second time warp to the past, giving Jason and Malazar a chance to disarm Ceres before he repeats his attack. The uh, going down to the ship's core to do the turn off the self-trick, what you think of all the things they had to go through? Like, why was it there? I thought it would look like a uh, like a level out of Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, yeah. and I love that uh, Gwen's comment, something about whoever wrote this episode needs to die. Yeah, yeah, she's all pissed off. Yeah, that was... Uh, well, what I like about this is finally it brings in the fans, uh, Brandon's character, you know, they need their help now. He's like, I know who knows this ship inside and out. All the geek speak. Yeah, all the geek speak. And and the way that Brandon starts off, you know, with, yes, I know it's all not real, and I know this is fake, and I know it was just a TV show. It's real. I knew it! Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, if you're a geeky person, you're always like, I knew that was real. I knew it all along. Justified. And not only that, when he's helping them, mom goes, hey, you got to take out the trash. Oh, my God. Jim, <laughs> right there at that one yeah. moment, it's like, what, what, what? And if we see him running to the trash <laughs> bin. Not oh, a good time, right, yeah. mom. Not a good time. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's not answering the communicator. Yeah. They're like, what the yeah. fuck is going on? And then, and, the, and sort the recycling, too. Yeah. Yeah. Little bits. Little, little bits, bits here and there. Little bit. Little bit. Little bit. Mm-hmm. And so then from here, everybody digs a little deeper and realize that it's got to be them that's going to make the difference and and everybody decides that that they're that they're going to cowboy up and steal themselves to the task at hand which is they need to confront these challenges even though they're only actors you know uh during all of this too uh tim allen tells uh teddy to learn how to fly the ship mm-hmm. right right right, right. He, he, he says, what do i get to do Learn to fly the ship. Yeah, learn to drive, right? Well, so he goes back and he watches the old episodes. and Yeah, because he brings up a good point that the, the ship's navigation was modeled after his movements on the TV show. Right, yeah. And so uh, he does. He learns how to drive this motherfucker, and we go through the minefield, and uh, he's getting chased, this, that, and the other, and it turns out that they uh, grouped all the mines behind the protector, and they blow up Sarah's, or so we think. Mm-hmm. You know, but, uh, you know, meanwhile, uh, Alan Rickman's character and uh, one of the alien dudes, they need to save uh, the crew. And so they're trying to uh, get this done. And who ultimately does it? It's Sam Rockwell and oh, Guy and Fred. Guy and Fred. Don't Guy and Fred ultimately. Yes. Oh, yeah, so Guy and Fred save the crew. And then Fred and. Uh, the Larry, they get a little busy. Oh, that's right. You're right. 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 You're right. And then, and then, right after that, then, um, then we uh, we seem to be out of the woods, and then all of a sudden, Quillick, he gets shot. That's what is Quillick. Mm-hmm. Quillick. Yep. And uh, I think that this is Alan Rickman in his finest. Right. Yeah. He he takes everything he does and just makes it gold. Mm-hmm. And the the line he despises, the line he just will not say anymore. Not only does he say it, but he fucking means it. Because he believes it to he the belie- core. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And so he embraces the moment and the enduring understanding of this character that he has come to loathe is now embodied completely as he is telling this person's dying you know, um, comfort to him to allow him to die you know, um, honorably and happily that, that now... This moment, this is carried so eloquently with Alan Rickman saying that, you know, he, he, he's, he says it, he believes it. And then when Quillick passes, you know, uh, 
he, Alexander, is now truly no longer Alexander, but now he is going to be his character. Right. In an interview, Sigourney Weaver compared this movie to Wizard of Oz because each of the characters gets something out of their journey in this this new you know universe, this new world. They bring something back with them. They grow. So I, I think she kind of was right. There are some kind of comparisons to the Wizard of Oz. Okay, but did Fred really grow? Fred, he grew something for the tentacle chick. Yeah. Because, I don't know, he was kind of sort of that way immediately as yeah, soon as he, he got on board. Yeah. yeah. It's really funny when, kind of to back stuff a little bit, when they're like, okay, so what's going on down there, you know, where all the engines are? And he has, he's already in charge of the crew, and he already knows what's going on, and everybody's like fumbling around. He's like, okay, this is what's going on. We got to get this. We got to get this. And he just is saying and doing the part so eloquent. Like, he's like, yeah, this is all real. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Well, un- well so until funny. the until the first time he has to use that beamer upper thing, oh, and he starts to right. freak out, and he goes, "I just want to tell these guys what to do." Yeah. Right. You know, because that's what I was thinking. If I was uh, when he they want to drive it for the first time, I was thinking, why doesn't one of the aliens sit down and the driver do stand behind him and go, "Okay, let's take us out." They said something right? earlier that their their race was incapable of using technology, that they were brilliant scientists. Well, then how the fuck did they get to Earth? They were brilliant scientists, but they were in, unable to use their own technology. So you're, you bring up a great point. Oh, okay. No, you're absolutely right. What? What? This time. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Except guess what? This, this one the light weird. is red. You are dead. No, Except, that's not right. Except you're wrong. I am a Star Wars guy. No, dude, I'm never wrong. But moving on. Sorry, the door is a little sticky. Did you see that? I'll get one of my guys up here with a can of WD-40. <laughs> you know, they blow up Saris's ship, and uh, Saris manages to get onto the protector, and he shoots... Who does he kill? Oh, he kills all of them. No, really. no. Did you no. notice there was one person that did not get shot, did not get killed? Sigourney Weaver. No. Nope. Alan Rickman. No. no. Wait, you guys all know, but yeah. I don't yes. apparently? Uh-huh. Yes. All right, well... Fuck you, fuck you, and you're cool. What would be the irony? Yeah. Of who doesn't get shot? Yes. Of who doesn't get Who's killed? Who's the irony of who doesn't get shot on our Galaxy Quest crew? Oh, guy. Bingo. Yeah. He's the Bingo. only Bingo. one that doesn't get shot. Oh, it's because he's, uh, crawl, he, didn't he crawl under the control panel? No, he's standing, he's, oh, he's standing, standing there right crying there. like a baby. Yeah. No. Well, that's, that showed you guys how much I paid attention. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Yeah, so it's a happy ending, but not. But not. No, and then uh, we're going to do the old time travel thing. Go back 13 seconds. Well, well, the one thing I love about this scene is when uh, Taggart earlier asks Brandon, what does Omega-13 do? It does one of two things. One, it can do the time travel thing, or two, it's going to destroy the universe. So I love how nonchalantly, well, we're going to die anyway. Might as well destroy the universe. Well, he was hoping for the best and and it worked out. And that's why they installed it on a ship was to destroy the universe. Never know when you're going to need to do that. Well, they they said earlier it was an alien technology they had found that they installed on the ship and never used. All right. So I I have a question about the whole uh, 13 second reversal thing. So apparently whoever activates Omega-13... They get to keep their memories, and then everybody uh, else's memories are scrubbed. Yeah, I guess so because yeah. that's how it was written. <laughs> I guess so. There you go. It was in the script that way. Well, obviously, did you not watch the same movie we did? Man, I am so glad that John does not have that because he would be the funniest guy in the room. 
Do you know why he'd be the funniest guy in the room? Why? Because he'd keep hitting that button. Oh, wait, I should say this. Oh, no, wait, I should say this. Every time. No, wait, I should say this. Every time Don got in a zinger, I would hit that 13 seconds so I could get the zinger. Yeah. Well, and so. Good thing it doesn't fucking exist. So, yeah, we'd be endlessly looping, and then, you know, a a show would take like nine hours to record. Oh, my God, an endless loop with you guys. Shoot me now. With you, the power, you know, with the power of editing. You pretty much have the Omega-13. Yeah. I guess I got. That's yeah, a good point. Yeah, I guess yeah. I do. Uh, so, yeah, he goes back in time and he saves the day. The Protector's Bridge separates from the main vessel to land the humans on Earth, while the main section of the ship carries Mathazar and the remaining Thurmans into interstellar space. Guided by Brandon and his friends acting as beacons, the Protector Bridge crashes into the Galaxy Quest convention, coming to a stop on the main stage. The dazed cast emerges to the cheers of their fans. But Ceres reemerges to imperil them again. Jason shoots and obliterates Ceres, and the ecstatic crowd assumes it was all a massive display of special effects. The cast basks in the adoration of Brandon, his pals, and their fans. Sometime later, Galaxy Quest is revived as a sequel series. Galaxy Quest, the journey continues, with the cast reprising their roles alongside Guy and Lorelai as new cast members. Roll credits yep they land at the comic-con which is you know kind of predictable uh they get out to the cheers uh sarah's comes in again this also reminds me of another bit oh you know what this reminded me of this reminded me of the new escape from witch mountain the one that came out in the with the rock with the rock the same sort of thing they have a real alien and they kind of have a shootout in the middle of a convention yeah, so I'm wondering if they took that from huh. Galaxy Quest. But how long is this convention going on, and how long were they in space? I'm I just guessing it's like a three day convention or something. It's, yeah, I was thinking it was like okay. a three day, and yeah, okay. But I guess time is relative. I never thought about that until worth. we started talking about. <laughs> At least thirteen seconds. You're all about thirteen seconds, aren't you, buddy? Um, we just get it done. Okay. So yeah, uh, end of the movie. End of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Out of curiosity. What part did you laugh out loud at? Do you recall, Don? Hmm. Was it Sam Rockwell? Because Guy had some funny lines, yeah, he sure did. right? Because mm-hmm. he was so. I mean, he was he wasn't phoning it in, right? Sam Rockwell was rocking it. Um, I don't remember. What about you? For me, uh, it didn't happen until the very end of the movie. I chuckled a little bit when everybody comes stumbling out of the ship into the convention. Yeah, it's like, oh brother. But uh, I actually got a good little laugh uh, at the very end because I forgot about Guy being the new security officer. He comes in with that swaggery smile. <laughs> hey. uh, and he gets a last name, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah so yeah. He's, he's one of them now. I thought, yeah. okay, I, I might have giggled at that. I liked that. how his shirt was unbuttoned and he had that little gold chain <laughs> oh, on. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Jill, I'd ask what uh, part you laughed out loud, but I'm pretty sure you laughed at the whole thing. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What about what you? Do. The one scene that keeps sticking in my mind, and we didn't bring it up earlier, was they were, I can't remember where exactly it was, but Taggart was disca- discussing a plan to do something, and described it was from one of the episodes, and Sam's like, what episode? And he says, well, I don't know. He goes, no, really, what happened? He goes, episode 81. He yeah, goes, and then guy goes, starts freaking out. He goes, I die in 81. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was going to be uh, a more of an ongoing thing throughout the entire film that they were going. Oh, in episode seventeen we did this. Oh, in episode two we did that. Yeah. You know, they briefly touched on it. And I guess it worked for what it was. Yeah, but so, it, yeah. just the fact that he kept talking throughout the whole thing that he was just there to die, and as Ken, you brought up, you know, 
He's the only one who didn't get shot in the end. Yeah. 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 Did you know there was supposed to be a sequel to this? Uh, I think so. It, it had legs. It was getting moving, and they were cir- and they were circling the wagons, and things got rolling. Yeah. Yeah, but then Alan Rickman passed away, and they said, "Nope, we're not doing the movie without him." When did Alan Rickman passed away? When? 2016. Wow. I thought it was more recent than that. They but. did, though, well, kind of create a sequel in the comic book series. There actually was a comic book series that came out that basically hints at the idea that, you know, in the end of the movie where they do the journey continues, that they actually went back up into space and they were actually filming it like a reality show. Oh, that could have been a cool concept. Hmm. So, All right. What about a favorite character? Jill, do you have a favorite character? I do. I found, I found myself uh, for the humans. I'm going to do two for the humans. I really did watching this again. Love Sam Rockwell's character. I, I really did. I, you know, seeing him and the way he did it. So hilarious. And then I totally forgot at the very end when he has that swagger and that smile. It's just so on point. And I love Mathazar. He came up with that sound. I know you thought it was Stupid sound. He, he also invented the walk that they yeah, did. Yeah, and it just, I don't know. I just, those two characters kind of, I just always laughed when they were on. Yeah. For me, it was uh, Sam Rockwell's guy and Fred. Fred Quan. Yeah, Fred's good too, yeah. yeah. What about you? What about you? What about you? What about you? I'm not going to say until you say first. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars is what I said last time. Star, Star Trek is what I say this time, bitch. Uh, uh, did I have a favorite character? Not really. I liked uh, Rockwell. I thought he was funny, and Alan Rickman's always yeah, great. Yeah. You know, Sigourney Weaver. I could watch in anything. Yeah. So, um, a gun to my head, I would say Sam Rockwell. Mm-hmm. What about you, Alexander Alan Rickman? Yeah, hands down. Yeah. yeah. Nice. That's, that's a good choice. Yeah. Solid choice. All right. So what are we going to rate this bitch? I think it's time to rate this bitch. What do you think? I could be in for that. Professor, how do we rate our movies? We rate our movies on a scale of one to five. And that scale of one to five is with the F-bomb in mind. When we love a movie, when we think this movie is cinematic gold, we are going to give this movie five fucks. If we have seen the movie and we have no desire to ever see it again, this is going to be a movie that we don't give a fuck about, and we're going to give it one fuck. And what would a zero be? A zero is you. Oh, somebody owes you two hours of your life back. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. All right, Professor, hit us. All right, so it had been a while since I'd seen this movie, and I had been told that I need to see the movie. It was a moral imperative because I am such an ardent fan of Star Trek and all things of Trek. And I am an adamant and studious watcher of The Next Generation, Voyager, Deep Space Nine. I certainly loved the motion pictures. And so it was very easy for me to watch this movie and enjoy it when I did back in the day. But it had been a bunch of years since I'd seen it, and it was uh, pleasant to watch. And, you know, I, I really feel like that the Mathisar character, he, he really warmed to me a lot, and he brought a lot to the story. And having um, such a unique character like that, I had forgotten all about him. I mean, I had remembered all of our main characters, but I had forgotten about him. And so, you know, hats off to Enrico, because he, he really added a, a, a lot of maturity 
to the role and a lot of heart to, you know, the whole group that he represented. I thought that the movie was really entertaining to watch. And it certainly does give a lot of nods to um, Trekkers and the whole appreciation for having such a devoted fan base that, for whatever reason, they are rabid about it and the the talent needs to be um, respectful, graceful, and uh, not condescending towards their fan base because what they do brings such happiness and appreciation to those around them. And so that was really fun to see as well, to uh, have that aspect uh, drawn out in the storyline as well, that they are willing to embrace and appreciate how much their fan base enjoys what they do as work. And hopefully it doesn't feel like work for them because they want to absorb and have as much of this content as possible so you know if they're tired and bored with it well that's gonna you know that's gonna make the magic go away so I, I really appreciated seeing that arc of the story that the characters in the end they end up embracing okay this is who I am and this brings a lot of joy and happiness to people so I found that part of the story fulfilling as well but on the other hand I also felt the story was all right I saw it and so it's not necessarily something I'm gonna run back and see you know, right away. I don't own the movie. I, I, I feel like that the, for me, the movie is three fucks. Want me to go next? Only if you want to, son. I will. Uh, I really want to. Anyway, uh, for this movie, it does so much service to the fanboy, to basically, to people who love Star Trek, love that type of idea, as well as kind of giving a glimpse of what you don't usually see, which is behind the scenes of the actors' lives. And what it must be like for every time they go to conventions and they get those questions and they get those fans who call it every little technical issue and they're thinking, I'm just an actor, I just read a script. Um, I found this movie, you know, even when the first time I watched it, Hilarious! I, I find it funny, you know, the gags they do, the characters. I thought it was well-written for certain characters. I agree with you, Ken, that um, Tim, Allen, Tim Allen probably wouldn't have been my first choice for this movie. Um, and I agree with you, Don, what you were saying earlier is that the chemistry between him and Sigourney Weaver didn't work for me. I didn't feel anything between them um, except for maybe that maybe they were scripted to feel that way, you know, that there was never anything true between the two of them. So the kiss at the end didn't make any sense to me. Um, But I could watch this movie over and over again and laugh every time. Sam Rockwell um, cracks me up with all of his lines, with his acting. He did a fantastic job. It was great to see, you know, young Justin Long in his role. I thought he did fantastic as a fanboy. Um, even his friends, I think it was Harold was one of them, um, was just funny the way that all worked. Um, Sigourney Weaver, I thought was okay in this movie. I don't think it was one of her best roles. Um, you know, I always see her as the, you know, the kick butt, you know, sci-fi aliens woman, uh, Ripley. I don't see her in a role where she's just kind of a backup character. So that was tough for me to swallow for this one. Um, Tony Shalhoub, again, stole the movie with his scenes. I wish we got even more of him, um, but maybe we got enough of him. The aliens, I agree, they looked a little fake. They looked a little buggy now that you bring it up. The grasshopper is a great explanation of them, a description of them. Um, But other than that, the movie I thought was really well done. 
this is a movie that I, you know, I'm not going to go actively out to try to find and see, but it is a movie if I stumble across, I'm going to watch. It's going to be a funny movie. There's a lot of funny scenes. Um, it's a good movie for me. So for this you know, movie, I am going to give it a 4.0. Four folks. So you gave it three. You gave it four. Uh, would our guests like to go? Yes. I actually own this movie. I do. Yeah. So DVD or Blu-ray? I believe it. I want to say probably DVD. Get out of my house now. <laughs> Only because I, when no, I bought no, no, it, no, no, no. I still have a job. I still have a job and I'm going to do it. Uh, I don't know. I think. I don't know. I thought I was going to go a certain way with this. And then now here we're talking about it, brought up some things that I, you know, like you in the Tim Allen role, I have to agree with both of you guys on that. Uh, it could have been worse with him. It, it could have been a lot worse than what we got. I mean, I don't think it was bad. I bought, I still bought into it. I bought into his character. I really did buy in with the Thermians. I think they were like really the heart of the movie. Um, I had, you know, I had all the feels when he had to tell uh, Mathazar that, you know, uh, he was lying to him, um, you know, and he lets out that little cry that it actually got to me. And so that so it has a lot of heart. And then it really does pay homage to the fans that, you know, all along, you know, geeks were punchlines of how many movies over the years. And then now they in this one, they actually have, um, you know, a good rapport with them and they're part of the you know the hero of the story you know if it wasn't for brandon's character would they ever got back to earth so you know maybe they could have um yeah and then the whole love uh, relationship between uh tim allen and sigourney weavers i never really took that into consideration really when you're watching because you know you're just wrapped up in it and you're just watching it but you know discussing it i'm like yeah i guess I, i didn't buy into that either um so I do have to agree with both of you on how you view it, but I will always watch it when it comes on. And I, and it's one of those movies that it's just like a feel-good movie. And I think that every time I do watch it, I find some other character either to really watch, like Sam Rockwell's character and what he's doing, or maybe I'll watch it again and watch, you know, what... Um, Fred's character and how he reacts because everybody is reacting differently to each one. So if you just focus on one, you'll notice something new. Um, with that, I did change it, but I'm going to give it 4.25 fucks. 4.25 fucks. Were, were you going to come out with a five? Were you going to get. I, I, the only reason I was going to do that because I'm like, they're not going to ask me back. And so I was going to do five fucks. <laughs> Just, I was going to like, they're never going to ask me back. I'm going to do five fucks and then, you know, burn the place down. <laughs> um, all right. Galaxy Quest. Um, you know, what can I say? Uh, I think that Tim Allen. Uh, is the weak link in this entire cast. I think you have Alan Rickman, who is fantastic, and Sigourney Weaver, again, fantastic, Tony Shalhoub, Sam Rockwell. All of these uh, actors, I felt, uh, just kind of acted circles around Tim Allen, and Tim Allen just was just Tim Allen. And I guess for this role, it works, but I'm not a huge Tim Allen guy you know, for a film that was made in 1999, I get that sometimes uh, the effects don't hold up. And I, I get that when you watch it today, you're going to look at it and go, ah, that doesn't look so hot. And I've I'm, I've always been uh, the thought of 
if the story is good and it keeps me along, I will forgive the uh, effects or uh, the the shoddiness, if you will, of, of what a film looks like. That being said, this story is, I mean, it pretty much writes itself, right? I mean, this story was taken from probably a gazillion different episodes of Star Trek. And, you know, it, it was just kind of... Uh, recycle to give us something new and bring it up to uh, the newer generation um, or whatever. But the the story I didn't feel was anything fantastic. Not a lot of memorable lines for me. I know I saw this when it first came out and watching it again last night, I remember thinking to myself, am I sure I saw this? Because none of it was familiar to me. Maybe the never give up, never surrender part bit and then Alan Rickman and his uh, costume, but, um, yeah, overall, not super impressed. Um, would I watch it again? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'd have to be really desperate. Yeah. So for all of those reasons, I am going to give galaxy quest 2.5 fucks. Okay. What can I say? I didn't like the movie that much. Because I am a Star Wars guy hey, through and through. I don't teeter in between and I don't go, oh, I like Star Trek. I like Star Wars. Star Wars. Do you, know, do, you know, do you know why John rated it so high? It's because it was the geeks at the end that saved the day. Well, that's what I said. I mean, he was fucking Brandon. I'm sure that's who he was. I do Is. not deny any of that. No, of course not. You know, I, you know how many times he calls me and goes, dude, there's a new engine out for the Batmobile. You have the thermal connector to the radion, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. You're 40 years old. I met Bruce Campbell once at a convention, and they told us we could ask one question. And my question was, what razor do you use to create that awesome stubble? What do you say? And he goes, it, it's called a setting one. Now get the hell out of here. Is that what he said? That's <laughs> yeah. funny. Well, I think he used the F word on me. Did you say the same? And Well, why wouldn't you say the F word then? He told me to fuck off. Yeah, you were so picky about when you use and don't use the F word. It's it's really mind boggling. It's because I like to, what, Jill, what do I like to do? You like to um, poke the tiger. Yeah. That, that's so not a saying. God, you guys are fucking drive me nuts all right now comes the time in our podcast where we select our next movie and seeing how this is our first show of 2022 we are going to mix it up a little bit uh yes we still have our fan picks and yes we will still be choosing fan movies uh uh, here on three guys but tonight what we did was we took some directors and we put uh, some directors into a hat, and we are now going to choose one director, and each one of us is going to come up with one film of said director. All right, who wants to draw the first director? That Apparently one. that one's been drawn. Whatever comes up. <laughs> Whatever one gets good. Yeah, that's what I think. We're going to let our guest pick a director. Pick and, a good one. And the director we are going to be talking about is... John Hughes! John Hughes. Now what's going to happen is that we each put a film from John Hughes into the helmet. And now Jill is going to pick out our next film. And our next movie is Planes, Trades, and Automobiles. Thanks. Um, All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. I want to say thank you again to Jill for joining us. That was a lot of fun. You did great. Uh, Thanks for uh, requesting this uh, mediocre movie. Uh, Next time, let's kind of bring your A game. Okay, this was like a B, B minus? A plus. Huh? A, a plus game. Yeah, well, 
Okay. I mean, pool or pond. Hey, John, where can they find us? How the fuck would I know? Well, that's a good fucking question. I ask myself that all the time. What the fuck does this guy do other than give me a hard time? He brings McDonald's. Okay, we're not sticking up for him, Jill. Oh. You want to come? I'm just, you want to come I'm back, right? Sweet. I'm Sweden. I'm just, I play. I'm just, yeah, there's Sweet. no Swedish. <laughs> no, no, no. You're either on my side or <laughs> you're out outside. <laughs> okay, so it's your choice. It's your I choice. Know how that works. Okay. All right, let's try this again. Hey, fuckface, where can they find us? They can find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com. They can find us on pretty much any podcasting hosting site. I have thrown us on everyone I can seem to get us on. They can find us on TikTok. They can find us on Instagram. They can find us on Tumblr. And now they can find us on TikTok. We are actually on there. Well, there you go. All right. Uh, So for Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. I'm Jill. And I'm Ken. Thank you for listening, loyal listeners. I swear to God, if someone comes back and says, who was that dude at the very end and why was he talking like that? I'm going to be pissed. And we're probably jumping ahead, yeah. but yeah, they have the bit. And the last thing I was going to throw in there was the LA, at an LA uh, Star Trek convention, the fans loved this movie so much, they voted it as the seventh best Star Trek movie. Yeah. Ah, making it official canon. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the fan base gets to dictate what becomes canon and not interesting sounds like a certain bounty hunter i know but anyways he got out of the pit well it's canon now i fucking can't argue with robert rodriguez or john favreau fucking disney thanks guys threw you under the bus fucking oh how many years did we debate that well ever since we've known each other really but we digress hot fuzz for the right what was it I keep screwing up every time. For the greater good. For the greater good. No. <laughs> no. I'm just repeating what he just said. I know. Greater good? Is that what I'm supposed to say? I have to say, when you guys were saying that, I was listening, because I've seen it, and I'd be, for the greater good, when I was listening to you guys. Of course you would be, because you know how it goes. The fuck is wrong with you? I screw it up every time. Right. Wherever a distress signal sounds among the stars. We'll be there. This fine ship, this fine crew, never give up and never surrender. I don't think he says and. It's right fucking here, dude. Look, do, do you want to read it? No, look I, at your phone. Look at your phone. I just want we're, you to we're not moving on until you look at your fucking phone. You're, all you're doing is pissing the professor off. Yeah, it does say and. I... I can read. All right, fuck off. Good night.